I don't need to tell you why I chose that song. I was thinking of that as we gathered together here this morning. We're just a little bit fewer number than what we usually are. But that's okay. I suppose that's okay. So we're thankful for all of you that are here this morning. Thank you for coming. Thank you for you visitors that come help us out a little bit, have a little bit of a larger group. We also really appreciate that. And trust you'll find the fellowship warm and you'll come again. My goal would be here this morning. I, I really appreciated the beauty of a forgiving God, Marlon. That that was really a blessing, and that actually was a good foundation for the things that I'd like to share this morning. And I'd like to just take our hearts along with that and build with the thoughts I have somewhat on that. You know, that's just a tremendous, beautiful thing, and hope that we can just have our hearts encouraged in that direction. And then this evening, we can get together again and have a beautiful communion together on common ground because of what the Lord Jesus has done is tremendous. Why don't we, I'll tell you what we'll do here. Let's, uh, I'm going to read the verse and then we'll pray together. Uh, the key verse this morning that I'd like to at least springboard off of is, you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, is where I would like to start this morning. And, and this verse is the inspiration that I feel that God has been given to me through the week, and I felt as I was seeking the Lord this week that this is where God would have me start. Maybe I'll share a little bit more about that. Anyway, Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, I'll read it at this time. It says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number, or compare, ourse- or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves, and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise." Let's, uh, let's bow our heads and pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love to us here this morning. Thank you that we can just be a little band and lowly, come to worship you. And Father, we turn our eyes to you this morning and pray that you would, you would take the search light of your word and minister to each one of our hearts today as you see fit. Father, you are, know our needs And I just pray that you would tailor the words that I have to say and make it personal to each one of us. Lord, I believe you're a personal God and you want to personally speak to all of us here this morning. And I pray here this morning, Lord, that your word would sharpen us. It's your word. It's quick and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And you know the needs of all of our hearts this morning. You know about our struggles. You know, Lord, about the need for forgiveness and, Father, We turn our hearts and our eyes this morning towards you, a forgiving God. So, Father, we thank you for that and just want to entrust our lives into your hands and care here today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I would like this morning to consider, you know, sometimes our lives seem a little bit like a maze, doesn't it? Um... 
I don't know that I ever went to one of these mazes. I think my wife probably has took the children there already or at least talks about taking them there where you can go to a place where, as I understand, I think what a maze was. I don't feel personally I need to go to a maze. I feel like I have sometimes difficult enough time sorting my my, my way through the maze that God somehow brings our way. And finding God in that maze can really be a blessing, but I don't feel like I need to go find myself getting lost in a cornfield that some farmer takes a lot of time and money to cut out so we can go get lost there and try to figure out how to get out of it. I guess that's what a corn maze is when people go to corn mazes. And maybe it actually is a good thing that our children learn how to do some of that because it might help them when they grow older to try to figure out it's okay sometimes to not know where we're going, but we can trust God in those things. So sometimes life can tend to deal some of those kind of situations our way. And I would have to say this morning, as I consider sharing the things that I'm sharing this morning, I am not one, and I probably said this before, and I just reminded of you again so you can be gracious with me, I'm not one that finds it very easy to prepare some sort of a message because this is a solid biblical message to to bring and and just do that. I, I tend to be one that I... It's hard for me to get inspiration from God to go a certain direction other than the realities that I'm currently faced with in life as I journey through life. That's just me. Quite a number of brothers aren't that way, but that's me. I just tend to be that way. And so I'm speaking somewhat out of an outflow of my own heart when I consider the verses that I am and talking about the subject this morning with comparing ourselves amongst ourselves and how it's not wise. Maybe I should just say for a title, I was a little bit unsure what to title it. First of all, I thought about calling it freedom from competition, the power and spirit of competition. And then as I was going further, scribbling and studying and spending time in God's word and writing things down. Then I thought of the title, Are You Being Influenced? And the last one I came up with, How Are You Being Influenced? Because I think we're all being influenced. We're all being influenced by something. And I'd like this morning to just consider some of the aspects of what is driving us and influence and all those kind of things. And then the last part of the message give us some encouragement how we ought to be influenced if that if you can follow along with that why that would be healthy for us here this morning i i personally feel like these are things that god in his mercy is trying to take me deeper into these days i i and i'd like to talk about some practical things as we go along here and maybe even draw a little bit from my own personal experience you know i'm i'm realizing more and more how I'm given to influence. How I'm, how, how influence can be a powerful thing. And influence can actually have a way of bringing us into bondage if we're not careful. Because we find ourselves comparing ourselves with a situation over here or comparing ourselves with a situation over here. And depending on what we're doing, it, it can really bring us into bondage. It can bring us into getting stuck. And it can actually bring us into one of these mazes where we have a hard time finding our way out of. I really believe it can. Or I believe we can be free from some of those kind of comparing that we tend to do. We could say in the flesh, we can be free from that and find all the freedom that God would have for us in the Christian life. Even though we find ourselves sometimes in a maze. You know, we do. We find ourselves, I think if we were all honest, we find ourselves right with these men. A lot of times we, we can we can we, we we find ourselves there. We just do. And how do we get out of that and, and some of those things? And it's so easy to just look around and look at this group over here or look at this brother over here. 
this this chapter, and I don't know all that's going on here, and I'm not going to reflect a lot on this chapter, but I thought it would be worthy of us at least just noting three of the verses preceding the verse that I'm looking at, and that is up there in verse 3 through 5. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, which we're all together in that, we're all walking in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I thought it's at least worthy to recognize those scriptures there. You know, we're all walking in the flesh, and we all have these things that we fight against. And I'm going to suggest to you this morning, let's open our heart up to God and just let God's searchlight speak to us this morning personally and ask ourselves the question, what is motivating me in life? What is influencing me in life? And just have an open heart this morning. And I'm just going to suggest that to you just as I feel that that is what God is. That is some of the lessons that I feel that God is trying to teach me these days. You know, there's so many things about life that I don't know and I don't understand. And I am so tempted at times. And many times, if I don't war against that thing that I think we war against, if we're honest. If I don't war against that thing, I begin looking here and looking over here. And I think I can honestly say that I come from a family where, you know, it's very, very easy. When I'm talking about family, I'm not talking just now about church family, but my own biological brothers. It's very easy for me to, to, to just allow that thing to bother me. You know, sometimes if we're just unawares, we begin comparing ourselves amongst ourselves. And I believe it can happen in a brotherhood. I believe it can happen in a family. I believe it can happen in, in uh, business relationships and all those kind of things. And it can lead us into a maze where we don't experience the freedoms that God would have for us. I really believe that. And I think, you know, we as families, and just to go a little bit further than just our own personal lives, we as families are faced with a lot of pressures in the generations that in the generation that we live in, where our children deal with it hugely, where it's very easy to begin comparing with others and situations and circumstances and and draw our conclusion as to what we ought to do based on that. Because as I look over here, I'm, I I think the choices that I'm making are better than here. Therefore, that should somehow justify where I'm going. Is that where we want to go? Is that wise? Now, I would have to say at the beginning that I, I want to be careful that I don't come across so strong with this subject that it's not right to do any comparing. It, it actually is. As I went to bed last night, my wife wondered a little bit what I'm going to be sharing, and I shared with her, and as, as I did it, the verse popped in my mind about forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together, as the matter of some is, but exhort one or more. No, it might be the verse before that. I have it in my notes to talk about it later. But there is that aspect and that element where we ought to be able to come together to church, worship, and fellowship, and we ought to be able to grow in the grace of God by being encouraged by what my brother and my sister is doing. That is biblical. That is very biblical, and that ought to be part of the reason why we do gather together. So I want to give that disclaimer, if you want to call it that at the beginning, that there is a place for that, and there Largely, that ought to be happening also in the kingdom of God. But there is also a negative element of that comparing thing that can be dangerous. So, somehow, if you can sort through all that, it would be healthy for us here this morning. Possibly God is wanting to teach us some lessons this morning concerning all that. So, let's look a little bit more just at this verse. Like I said, we're not going to be spending, uh, we're going to eventually move away from this verse here. 
But I would like to look at part of this verse here that says, comparing themselves with those that commend themselves. And I had to think, okay, so some comparing is wrong, seemingly, and some comparing is right. I think we would have to agree with that as we consider this whole comparing subject. As I'm understanding this verse, it says, it, it seems like there was a problem here that they were doing some comparing where they shouldn't have been doing comparing. And there's a word here that says commend themselves. And I thought, now what does that mean, commend? Maybe we ought to look a little bit at that word commend themselves because it seems at least to a degree that's where the problem lies. And I found it interesting that the commend here actually means exhibit if you study the original language. It uses the word exhibit and I thought, okay, exhibit. I'm not a Greek scholar, and sometimes I feel like I have a little bit of a block up here. I don't understand some of those things as clearly as I I should. But I do happen to know that if you go to a place like the farm show or some of these places where the businesses and places have their exhibit, they all have this thing set up right to catch our attention so that we would choose to do business with, you know, John Deere tractors or case tractors if a farmer goes to the farm. They have their exhibit that is there to catch our attention so that they can somehow influence us to make us do some comparing and decide that this one's the best and go with this choice here. Uh, we, we, they call them an exhibit. You go to this exhibit and that exhibit and the other exhibit. Well, here it talks, and I don't know all that was taking place here in this scripture with this passage, but it does seem that something was going on here that was unhealthy that got Paul's attention, and he says, comparing ourselves amongst ourselves like was happening is not wise. Is not wise. So I don't know all that was going on there, but it seems they may have been having a problem with some sort of a standard as to how they were comparing. It also seems that Paul here in this passage of Scripture was having some critics. Um, Maybe we can just notice verse 7. It says, Do you look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trust to himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. Just a, a note there that it, that, that, it, that it seems that some were saying, well, no, th- this is the way it ought to be. This is, uh, uh, th- this is what is right in the Christian life. And others were saying, well, no, what, what we are is right. What are we comparing with this morning is the question that I'm trying to bring our way. Paul had some critics here. I think it's possible that Paul was saying some hard things. I think it's possible here that Paul was saying some hard things and he was, he was having some critics. And you know, it's very easy for us this morning. I think we have to recognize that when God is teaching us some of the hard things in life, whether it's through His Word or whatever is taking place in life, when those kind of things are happening in our personal life, it's very easy to look to the wrong source. For our standard or for our just came to my mind, Mark Peachy, you called it a point of reference one time in a devotional message. We tend to look to the wrong point of reference and we eventually want to get here this morning to that. But I'd like to I'd like to just spend some more time talking about this whole thing with comparing and how unwise it is. And I largely when I'm thinking about this morning, I'm thinking about in our personal lives, because like I said, I feel like that's some of the. Areas that God is trying to deal with me personally, just in my personal walk with God, learning some lessons. But I think it's also okay for us to consider, you know, we here as a congregation, we're trying to find our way with church life, as I believe we might have talked about recently in a brother's meeting, how we're just over a year old now and we're still trying to figure some of the things out with church life, 
who we are, where we're going, and going to be our own flavor, and, and all those kind of things we're, we're trying to figure out and ushering ourselves together so that we can take our church and go in a different direction. And you know, I think this morning that we're going to come out at a good place as a congregation if we have our sights and our goals fixed on the right thing. But I think if we find ourselves, even in church life, I think we're going to have to be careful with how we compare, even though, as I said before in a disclaimer, it's, it's okay for us to do some comparing and considering all those kind of things. But I'd like to encourage us this morning, I think God wants to take us a step greater than that. And I'd like to challenge us this morning. Where are we looking? Where are we looking for our standard? Where are we looking for what we want as the outcome in our fellowship? I think it's very easy. I think it's very easily to do comparing with other fellowships. And you know, I used to be a pretty critical person when I come to church life and my own personal ideas of what I thought was right. And when I looked at other fellowships and what works and what doesn't work. But, you know, more and more as we live in the last days that we live in, I feel like God has and is, and I want him to continue doing a work that I feel like my head is hanging a whole lot lower than it was at one time as to what actually works in church life. And I'm going to encourage us this morning, let's be looking to God for those things and be very careful with how we do our comparing. More and more I realize I don't have it figured out. Just this week I found myself sitting in a conversation with two of my brothers, actually, and a subject came up about how we deal with a certain situation. And one of my brothers looked at me and wondered, how do we handle this? And there would have been one time in life I would have had all the answers for my brothers, but I didn't. Any, I don't anymore. I feel like I don't. Now I do feel like God gave me some things I could recommend, and I appreciated that. Where are we looking this morning? You know, just shifting gears a little bit here as we think of this whole thing with comparing We live in a, quote, Christian culture where there is a lot of things that are acceptable in the Christian life. The, quote, Christian culture that we live in, there's a lot of things that are acceptable. Matthew 7, 13, and 14, and we don't need to turn to those verses. They're familiar verses, but it talks about narrow, entering in at the narrow gate, straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life, but broad is the gate. Broad is the gate and wide is the way, however it says it. And many there be which go in thereat. You know, and, and I think it's okay, not that I want to largely get hung up or think on this. But it is healthy for us to realize that we all today do find ourselves in a culture in a time where there is a lot of things that are accepted as the normal in the Christian life. And I think it's healthy for us to realize that if we're going to look to the wrong source as to what is acceptable and what isn't the wrong, what is or what isn't acceptable, we can very easily become deceived. Because I believe that the road to glory still is a narrow and a straight passage to walk. And you know, this morning I'd just like for us to consider, I believe our culture and our society tells us that we can live a pretty luxurious, pleasure-seeking lifestyle and be okay, you know? And there's many things that we can compare. I think our culture teaches us that we can live somewhat of an unrighteous life and it's okay. I think our Christian culture teaches us that we can earn a lot of money and spend a lot of money on me and it's okay. Our, Our Christian culture 
would teach us those things. I don't think it's wrong to make a lot of money. But, you know, we can very easily and quickly find something to be our standard and it can get us into trouble. We can live a life of ease. You know, it's interesting to me. I just really appreciate the book Going Till You're Gone. I think I might have shared it before here, uh, recommending that book by Gary Miller. I really recommend that book by Gary Miller. But, you know, I'm amazed, even in our Anabaptist culture, things that we accept as the normal in our golden years. And I hope and would to God that if I begin going down that road when I reach... I don't think you agree. I don't think I reach those years yet. But when I reach those years, if I begin going down that road and that's my life, I hope somebody rebukes me. Because I don't think that's the heart of God. But you know, our culture and our society, even in our plain circles, teach that that's... But we wouldn't call that the world. We don't want to call it... But what is it? I think we have to ask that question. And you know, we can always do some comparing and we can justify ourselves and come out at a pretty comfortable place. Is that, is that the heart of God? You know, another thing that I wrote down that I had to think of, it's okay. Our Christian culture, and it gets pretty close home, but tell if it's okay... To let the heathen die without the knowledge of the word of God and not do anything about it and keep living a luxurious life. Is that okay? Is that, is that okay? I think it's a good motivating question for us to ask ourselves. You know, I think it's very easy to come to conclusion in our mind, even, even though we wouldn't say it, but it's very easy to live and to be influenced like it's okay to live a lukewarm Christian life and hope for the best. And it's okay. It's very easy to have ourselves convinced that way. And I'd just like to be real with you this morning and share with you, you know, my testimony is that I can easily give in to those ideas and those thoughts and those comparings if I don't war against it. That's why I saw the need to read those verses before. The weapons of our warfare are not... You know, we all walk in the flesh and we're all tempted that way. And I'd like just to be honest with you this morning that I, I realize those are things I need to war against. And this morning... We're eventually going to get there. I hope and trust that we can conclude the service a little bit later here, that we can look to the Lord Jesus Christ and to His kingdom and to what He would have for us. I appreciated the song service this morning, Brother Myron, so fitting, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the beauty that that all entails and what Christ has wrought for His church. I am convinced, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, I am convinced that that doesn't grip our hearts like it needs to grip our hearts. I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's where we're going here this morning. But oh, what a shame if we let all kinds of other things in our, quote, Christian culture to be our point of reference. And get us in trouble other than the Lord Jesus Christ and His kingdom and what He has for us. That's where we're going here this morning. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy and chapter 3. These are familiar verses to us, but I just think this morning in light of the subject that we're looking at, it will be healthy for us to think about these verses and realize that this is real life and this is where we live today. I believe this morning with all of my heart, that we live right here in 2 Timothy 3. And I'm just going to read the first seven verses. We know these are scriptures, I believe, right here that mark the last day. These are scripture that mark the last days right here. 
This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce bakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this Sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. I think I'll leave off reading right there. But I believe this morning that this right here, I believe, is the day that we find ourselves living in. We are living in these days. And I believe many of the things that we see listed right here, sometimes they get pretty close home. And I believe it's even possible... For us this morning, as we think of this subject of comparing, that we can we can look around, you know, and we can see, well, yeah, I'm I'm not this way, yeah, a little bit that way, and we and we can look at somebody that's 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 doing pretty okay when it comes to these kind of things, and we can make that that group or that person and those kind of things the point of reference, rather than looking at the Lord Jesus. And I'd like to consider with us this morning the the word perilous here this morning actually means dangerous. The word perilous simply in Greek means dangerous. Now, I don't want to put any kind of negative fear in the hearts of us this morning where it doesn't need to be. I don't want to do that. But I do think it's good for us to realize this is actually the day that we live in. You know, this this week I was trying to figure something out. Uh, a part that I got for the truck that I was trying to figure out how to put on. And finally, I just, I couldn't figure this thing. I got frustrated. And I just figured, you know what, my boys are better at reading instructions and figuring these things out. I'm going to lay it aside and they're going to come over one of these evenings and figure this thing out. And then we'll put it on and everything will be okay. Well, my boys said, you know, one of the things you could do is you could go on the computer and and, and you could probably, now we, we can't do that with our computer because of the protection that we have on it. But you could go and I forget what you call it. But anyway, you could just, it would just take you right through it and you know how to do it. Now I realize if I'd be as up to date as what some of you probably feel I should be, and I'm not debating that this morning, but if I would be up to date with our culture, I would have reached in my pocket and I would have do to do to do a couple buttons and I could have watched that thing been put together right there and I could have put it together. And everything would have been great, would have been done, and I wouldn't have had to deal with all this frustration. I could have done that. And I'm not saying and I'm trying to point a finger at you today. If, if, if that's what you would have done, that was right. That was wrong. Nonetheless, that was the situation I had that week. Which my mind goes to the situation sitting with two men this week. And we got to talking about this subject. And, and actually, as I was sitting there talking with these two men about technology and about... Actually, the subject came up because there's some church situations where they say, No, we're, we're, we're not going to have any, any kind of those smartphones. We're not going to have any of that. And... Uh, and anyway, as I was having that debate there, one of these men's wife was sitting there. And, and of course, they were wondering what I do with this. And, and uh, anyway, she, his wife, well, I, I talked about accountability. I said, you know, I, I personally feel that if we're going to go down that road, we need to have accountability. And she looks at her husband and says, that's right, that's right. And you were invited to be part of accountability. Yeah, but he said, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. And I say, you better take time for that. You better take time for that. His boy was sitting right there, and I know what's in his pocket. But why am I saying all that? I'm not trying to make a conclusion of what ought to be done or what ought not to be done. But I am trying to 
get our hearts. This is where we live. This is where we live. We live in those days. What is going to be our point of reference? Where are we going to be looking for answers? You know, the Bible says this morning, according to that verse that I read back in 2 Corinthians, that if we compare ourselves among ourselves, and we make our conclusions based on that, and aren't looking this morning to the Lord Jesus and to His kingdom, and some of those things were not wise. And we all know what the end of the Sermon on the Mount is, and it's a very close, it's a very familiar story to us. The children love it and we sing it and sometimes we miss it. The wise man and the foolish man. The foolish man's house didn't stand. The wise man's house did stand. Are we going to be wise or are we going to be foolish when it comes to these kind of things is the question we're asking here this morning. You know, I, I alluded to it a little bit this morning, and this is where it probably comes closer home to me, and I think it's just okay that we just allude to it a little bit here this morning. The whole thing with uh, comparing that goes on that can tend to put us in a maze, and maybe this is one that comes closer to us, and I did refer to it. Maybe I shouldn't have to bother again, but you know, that comparing thing is so easy. Some of the things I wrote down here, you know, it's very easy if it's very easy to look around at other situations and seeing other people prosper financially and say, if only I had his situation, I wouldn't be in this maze that I'm in. Very easy to do that. If only I had his problems and he had mine, I wouldn't be in this kind of a situation. If only I had the giftings that that brother has, rather than the gifts that I have, I wouldn't be in this situation. It's very easy to do that. If I had his ministry or if I... If, if my children would walk the line as his children do, I wouldn't have this situation. You know, it's so easy to get ourselves into that comparing mode and get ourselves in trouble. I'd like to think just a little bit about what competition is. It is the process of trying to beat others. The process of trying to win or do better than others. It's like a contest, an activity in which people try to win something or to do better than others. Now, this, now what I'm talking about here, I'm going to a little bit just a different phase of this comparing thing that I think can become very common to us. And I probably said this before. Maybe my wife's going to get me in trouble for saying this. But I already told my wife that I think when company... Did I say this before? I'm sorry. She's, she's nervous now. But I think sometimes she would do her sisters a big favor when she knows that there's another family coming to visit us by just making the house a little dirty. You know? Just throwing a few things around and a few dirty dishes on the sink. and Now, by me saying that, I appreciate. huh? Just leave it there. That's right. Just leave it there. She's being honest. See, so all the rest of the sisters can relax now when it's time to come to our house. Just leave it there. You know, you know I think you know what I'm saying, but it's very easily to set the precedence that this is how our house always is. It's not. But anyhow, she does a tremendous job. And I appreciate the fact that we have a, a, a homey atmosphere and we don't have confusion in our house. But, you know, it's so easy to set the precedence that, you know, this is the way it is. And, and the, the, when you come to our house, the food is like this. I'm not picking on my wife now. I'm just saying I, I know how things go. You know, We can just do that. We can do that in men. We can do that with our business. We can do that with our farms. We can do that with our chariots sitting out in the parking lot. That's a, that's a competition thing that we can tend to do that actually doesn't bring the freedom that God wants us to have. I'm just concerned that way. And I, 
I'm not at all advocating we just we just do things haphazard. I am not advocating. I, I'm thankful that we don't have that in our home. But I also believe that we just need to be careful with the kind of the kind of you know that's a there's cultural pressure. There, there, there can be in a given congregation, there can, there can be tremendous cultural pressure to influence in one way or influence in the other way. You know, I would go as far to say it. There can be, there can be cultural pre- pressure in a given congregation. Now, I, I think most of you know my heart. I, I don't want to be a liberal. I want to be a conservative. I want to be separate. I want to be different. I be, want to be all those kind of things. But there can even be in a given congreg- congregation a cultural pressure towards, I don't know what to call it, other than ultra- culturalism ultra-conservatism, you know, based on the fact that this is, this, is, this, is, this is the way we ought to go. The cultural pressure can be the other way in a given congregation, and this is probably one that's a little more churches today are high at risk towards liberalism to go that direction. And there can be a strong cultural pressure in a given congregation to go one of those two ways. And I'm not trying to decide what's right and wrong here this morning, but I think, brothers and sisters, we need to have our goals and our sights, our eyes on something far greater than both of those that will take our congregation where we want to go. And we can be more like the Lord Jesus Christ and more more uh, involved in His kingdom, more burdened about the things that burden God and all of those kind of things. And I, and I tell you, if we do that and we get a hold of that, we are not going to be a liberal church. I don't think we're going to be a liberal church. I think we'll be a church on fire for God that sets over here part of his kingdom and purpose. And we, we won't have to. Now I realize maybe I'm preaching a little bit of an unrealistic. Maybe I'm a little too idealistic. But I think we need some idealism too. I think we do. So I think we just need to really. What, what are we comparing ourselves with this morning? It's good to examine our motives. I'm trying to encourage you. It's good this morning to examine our motives. You know, I remember clearly. And I can say this because you have no clue who I'm referring to. Years ago, my wife and I, after we left our church where we grew up, were part of a group that we still look back and have a lot of appreciation for. But I remember clearly, back there, soon after we started going there, there was a family that came to that congregation. And they weren't there very long. And they said, you know what, we're, we're leaving here. I, I see this. This, I mean, when I look around at what people are wearing here, I, I'm, we're just not comfortable leaving. And they left. And we watched that family. They didn't go very long. They found themselves in another congregation where there was, I'm going to suggest to you, there was cultural pressure in that congregation to that way. And, you know, it took a matter of years. They just fit right into that thing. And that cultural pressure just went like that. And off they went. Now, why am I saying all that? We are all living in the flesh. And we are all tempted to allow, including myself, cultural pressure, cultural pressure, and those kind of things to take us in a given direction rather than the kingdom of God. And I'd like this morning, now I'd like to go to the next point in this, and then we'd like to just shift gears a little bit here. Back in, And you can go back to verse 12 there in 2 Corinthians 10 if you want. It says, I'm going to read that verse again. We dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. I would like to begin shifting gears here now and look towards having a kingdom focus in life. And here is the problem that I think Paul was addressing to them, and it's the problem they had. They had their measuring stick. What do we do with a measure? 
tape measure. We measure ourselves up. In fact, my mind goes back to years ago when we moved up on Texture Mountain. We had an unfinished basement. There was a dear brother of mine I appreciate so much. He came to me and he had some extra time. He said, hey, I'd, I'd like to, I would like to just volunteer my time and help you finish your basement out. And he came and he brought his tools and did a tremendous job in our basement. He went down to the bottom of the steps. He was putting walls up and doing all kinds of things. And one day he was down there and he was stuck. He was looking at this thing and he had his tape measure out and he was measuring it up. And after a while he gets his crowbar and his hammer out and he starts taking things apart. He said, if I don't make this... It was the doorway at the bottom of the steps and whatever it was. He said, if I don't make this thing square, he said, every time I come to visit you, he said, I'm going to look at that thing and I'm going to be bothered. He said, I'm going to do it right. He took his measuring stick out and he measured that thing up. And I don't even know what he changed. And I feel fairly certain with what my understanding is of construction, if he would have done it the way he originally planned to do it, I would have been perfectly fine with it because I didn't know what to compare it with. Uh, But anyway, he wasn't satisfied. He went back to the source. He wanted this thing to be true and accurate, whatever it was, and he had it out. And, you know, that's what we need to do this morning. I think we need measuring sticks. I think we need standards. I think we need to pull our tape measures out and figure things out. But what are we comparing it with? What are we comparing it with? Are we satisfied? Are we going to be satisfied with comparing it with our, quote, Christian culture that we live in? Or, you know, a group over here? Or And, and granted, there's a place for that. Uh, we can encourage each other. We can do that. But what are we going to be satisfied with this morning? I'd like to, even though some of that is right, I would like now to shift gears and, and I would like to encourage us this morning to look to the right source. I think this morning the answer that God would have for us is to be kingdom of God focused. Just a little bit more down that line. You know, when it comes time for us to make a difficult choice in life, okay, We have those. Brothers, you agree? We have difficult choices we have to make in life. When it comes to guiding our family, we have difficult choices that we have to make. And if we're not making difficult choices, we're we're in trouble. Because we have difficult choices that we have to make in our everyday lives. Wives, we we need, women, we need your support and we appreciate that. But we have those difficult choices to make. I also walk in the flesh like you do. And I know the easiest thing for me to do when I have a choice to make you know, I, I'm looking ahead and I see I see my, my road that God is shining his light on. And I see that pathway up ahead and I see I'm coming to an intersection where I'm going to have to make a choice. It might be with my family. It might be with my personal life. It might be with a ministry. It might be with a soul. And the easiest thing to do when I look up ahead and I see that choice is to go the path of least resistant. Do we agree with that? That is a That is a reality that we face living in the flesh. The easiest thing is to do is to make the... The choice that's going to cause for the least amount of resistance. And we look at that thing and our conscience won't let us go that way and we're struggling with it a bit and we think, boy, what are we going to do? What is the easiest thing for us to do? Well, the Bible says in a multitude of counselors there is safety. I'm going to find a brother and I'm going to see what he has to say about this matter. Trusting we did our homework. We're praying about it. You know, We can always say that we're praying about it. We're seeking God. We're doing all these wonderful biblical things to find our way. But, but we're struggling with it. I'm, I'm building a case here. We're struggling with it and we're wrestling with it. And our conscience doesn't allow us to make the choice that we think we'd like to go. You know what the easiest thing for me to do is? I'm going to find a brother. Who am I going to choose? And we can pick that brother that we know is going to give us what we want to hear. And I'm going to suggest this morning, if we are really serious about kingdom of God living, we are going to find a brother 
who has a heart after the kingdom of God. And he's a brother that has Brian Knoll's well-being in mind. He's the brother I ought to go to. But I'm real enough to know the temptation is to do otherwise. Is that right? That is many, many times what we're tempted. And I'm just trying to jog our thinking. Where are we going in life? How are we making our decisions in life? Are we, are we comparing? How are we comparing? It's so easy to cozy up to a brother like that and, and get advice from him and make our decision based on that rather than what God would have for us. And I say shame on us if we're doing that, but that's a temptation. I just want to encourage us in that here this morning. Find a brother that has our well-being in mind. A brother that's interested in, in his kingdom of God focused. You know, this morning, I already talked about it. When it comes to measuring ourselves up, when it comes to spending our money, when it comes to going shopping, when it comes to how I dress my house up or don't, how I do my truck or don't do it, the vehicle I drive or don't do, the clothing that I buy or don't buy, I'm going to encourage us this morning that we just allow God to do a work in our hearts to be kingdom of God focused as we're making those choices in life. I'm encouraging us in that direction this morning. And just to help us along, turn to Philippians 2. This morning I'm trying to usher us in a given direction to help us to have our focus right here this morning. Philippians chapter 2. Precious verses to us here this morning, but let's just think about it. Let's let the Lord Jesus Christ... Be the one that we look to for our source of direction when it comes to making our choices in life. I'm going to begin here with verse 3. Philippians 2, 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other better than himself. Where are we looking this morning? Are we looking to ourselves or do we have others' best interest in mind? That's the question that I'd like to raise to us here this morning. Look, verse 4, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. We're thinking now about letting the Lord Jesus be our example. That was the very heartbeat of Christ. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. You know, this morning, I'd like to suggest to us, if we find ourselves in a maze of life, trying to figure life out, Trying to figure out life, you know, if we find ourselves in one of those mazes. And life is unfulfilling. I would encourage you this morning, and I'd like to give you a key this morning. Let's look to God for the heart of the Lord Jesus. And get our eyes off of ourself and our maze. And what Jesus Christ did, He had His eyes on us. He had His eyes off of Himself and on others. And I believe that's the key to us this morning. Let this mind, let's, let's just ask God to give us the mind of Christ when it comes to these things. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. 
You know, that's a question that I just think it's good for me to ask myself from time to time as I'm trying to find my way through the journey that God has for me. And I would like this morning to have that be one of the questions that we ask ourselves on our journey is, do I have the mind of Christ? Now I realize that's a big question. We're never going to be totally like Christ, I suppose, but we have the desire, I trust this morning, to grow into Christ-likeness. And, and my prayer and my burden is in my life and my goal is that I would learn to have the mind of Christ. And you know, this morning, I'd just like to suggest to us, I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to move too far away from this whole subject and, and what is the mind of Christ. And this morning, as we consider the mind of Christ and we consider the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I believe one of the greatest heartbeats the greatest heartbeat and longing for Christ was to bring, redempt, bring redemption to humanity. This morning, I'm going to encourage us that we as a congregation, one of the thermometers that will help us determine whether or not we have the heart and mind of Christ is where is our heart when it comes to the lostness of humanity around me. And I'm going to be honest with you. It concerns me sometimes why I don't have more of a burden for the lostness of humanity. And you know, it helps me come back and ask the question, do I really have the mind of Christ? Do I really have the mind? I think if we have the mind of Christ, we'll have a tremendous burden for the lost. Now, I'd like to keep moving here. I'd like to get through greater part of my notes here if I can. I would like to encourage us as we think of Christ being our example. I, I, I want to end up here or at least want to touch on Romans 12. You can turn there in your Bibles and this is some very familiar verses. So familiar sometimes we brush over them. This morning as Brother Myron was sharing and Brother Marlon was sharing, my mind went again to these verses and it just helped affirm it in my own mind. You know, we sometimes, we look at these verses, and it challenges us, and, and we look at Romans 12, 1 and 2, very familiar. I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Many times I feel in my own personal life, I look at these scriptures and I think, boy, you know, what I'm talking about here is a living sacrifice. That's one of my, my things here I'd like to look at. You know, are we presenting our bodies a living sacrifice? And many times I'll look at this verse and I'll just, you know, I'll let a little bit of condemnation come my way because, you know, I'm, I'm really not that living sacrifice that I ought to be. Is my life really holy? Is it acceptable to God? Oh, wow, it says here that it's our reasonable service. And then we think, yeah, yeah, it's just my reasonable service. I actually owe it to the Lord that I ought to just have a life poured out for Him. Wow. And you know, we can read that and we can just kind of let the whole burden of that thing fall on us and we can it kind of gets us down a bit and then we measure ourselves up and we, boy, we're just not doing so good. And then we read on, be not conformed to this world. Wow, this world just really puts pressure on me. And... Uh, it just does. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we think about the, the, our minds being renewed. That it, we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then we can just allow ourselves to think, boy, we just really ought to be doing more for God. That's one way of looking at that verse. And many, many times I find myself kind of reading over those verses and just letting that thing weigh on me a bit. And that kind of weighing on us 
is, I suppose, okay to think about that. But you know, this morning I'd like to suggest to us a better way of looking at that verse. I think, and we all know there's a therefore there, and we look at Romans 11. And I'll tell you this morning, I just, I just, I just want my heart to be so enamored, swallowed up. Think about this tremendous salvation that God has wrought to we Gentile people. I don't understand all the falling away of the Jews and how they, they, they turned their backs on Christ. I don't understand all the theological, whatever you want to call it there in chapter 11. But I'll tell you this morning, I think it ought to just really grip our hearts the beauty of how we today can be the people of God engrafted into that vine. And all that that entails. Brother Marin is smiling. Amen. And the beauty of it. Marlon can get up here and look at Elisha. You know what? You called them mistakes. And they were mistakes. But you know what? I'm going back to Zach Poonin. Now, God doesn't forgive us our mistakes. He does of our sin. I'm not faulting you. I agree 100%. Horrific mistakes they made. But you know what? They were sin. And yet, there was hope for them. It is amazing. And you know, that's where we find ourselves today. Rather than looking at these, oh, you should. Oh, I just don't, I just don't measure up. You know, I'm going to suggest to us this morning, if we are not letting those verses and letting ourselves be motivated to present our bodies a living sacrifice, regardless of what that maze is that we find ourselves in, if we're not allowing those verses to challenge us and to become more and more into the image of Christ, then I'm going to suggest to you either we just simply don't understand the beauty of this salvation, or maybe we've not, maybe, maybe our conversion just didn't go deep enough. I know sometimes I'm a little too black and white in my thinking, but I don't see it any other way. Either I think we don't understand the beauty of this gospel and the beauty of what Christ has wrought when he hung there on the cross to purchase your and I redemption. Either we don't understand, and maybe they're both mixed. Maybe it's all mixed together. I'm trying to divide it too much. Either we don't understand it and it doesn't grip our heart or else maybe we just never wholeheartedly committed our life, our maze, our circumstance, our situation on the altar of God as a living sacrifice the way we need be. And you know, I think that's really what Paul was doing. He says, I beseech you. I, I, I don't know what necessarily beseech I remember I looked it up, but I forget. But he's, he's like, can't you get the heart of Paul? I, I'm, I'm begging you, dear people. I, I'm beseeching you. Look back at chapter 11. Do you get it? And we can present our bodies a living sacrifice. Now let's com- let's just consider a little bit the the tremendous difference of how we can compare ourselves with our quote Christian culture, with our struggling church down the road that's struggling like we are, and we can look at some of the negatives over there in that congregation, and oh well, we do this over here, and we feel pretty good about it, and because well, you know, yeah, we're okay, yeah, we're okay. Do we do that? Yeah, we do that. Or are we looking to the Lord Jesus? Maybe this is an ideal gospel for some of us, too idealistic. But you know, sometimes I think we just need to get enamored by the beauty of so great a salvation. And out of that, just yield our bodies a living sacrifice. 
to the Lord. Holy. Oh, God wants us to be a holy people. You know, sometimes, oh, we just ought to be more holy. And it can just lead us into bondage. You know, it's so easy to try to pour ourselves up by our own bootstraps and become somehow become this holy people. And we're not. Or we could just look back at so great a salvation and realize, even though Elijah, David, Moses, Peter made those horrific things, are we a holy people? Is Christ making us this holy people? And you know, as it says here, it's our reasonable service. But oh, if we look at it wrong, it's going to just take us down into, or we can look at the beauty of so great a salvation and we can accept it. I'm just going to try to take a few minutes yet. <clears throat> And look at what I'm going to call. Now, I think it's okay for us to have a favorite scripture. I think I probably have quite a bit of favorite scriptures. But I will tell you this. As I'm considering this subject, this is my favorite scripture. Okay? As I am considering this whole subject this morning of all we talked about, this is where I ended up last night. And this is definitely my favorite scripture as I think of this subject. And, and you can turn to First John chapter 1. You know, I just appreciate this chapter so much. First John chapter 1, and this is maybe a few other closing thoughts at the end yet, but I would just really like for us this morning to consider this verse. And most of you Bible scholars will know that this, this chapter here talks so much about fellowship. So much about fellowship. And you know, there's some words in this chapter that as I was musing over last night, such as us and we and that whole thing. And it's so beautiful to consider of the blessing that we can have in fellowship together. First of all, let's read it. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life. This morning, have we handled the word of life, the Lord Jesus Christ? He is the answer, for that life was manifest. Have you seen it this morning? It says, and we have seen it and bear witness and shown to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That life this morning was shown to us and it was manifested to us. I'd like to suggest that this morning, if we're trying to have fellowship and we don't have fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not having fellowship. It is the Lord Jesus Christ that makes fellowship fellowship. Fellowship is a beautiful thing this morning. Fellowship is a beautiful thing this morning and we can only have that fellowship. And you know, Let's just be honest. If my fellowship with the Lord Jesus isn't that close fellowship, you know, I'm, I'm living, a, I'm living a, a mediocre Christian life and I just kind of go down a mediocre road and, and I'm just kind of out of touch with God. You know what I'm talking about? Does that ever happen to you? Sure it does. That happens to us. There's times where we just kind of get out of touch with God and we're going through life and we're in a maze and we're trying to figure things out and we're not living in the fullness of the reality of the fullness of the salvation that God has for us. And my prayer life is struggling. My devotional life isn't what it should be. I'm, I'm battling a few besetting sins over here. And I'm, I'm just not doing very good. Brother, pray for me. That kind of a mentality. That happens sometimes. Let's not be content to be there. And I want to tell you something. I, I think I know good enough from experience. And, I, and, and I'm pretty sure that you'll agree with me. When we find ourselves there and then we come to church on a Sunday morning, are we having fellowship? The way God intends us to have fellowship. Are we? No, we're not. Look at verse 4. This is just beautiful. I love this chapter. But did I read verse 3? I'm not sure I'll read 3. 
that we have seen and heard, declare unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. There it is. And then verse 4 says this. And these things have we written unto you that your joy may be full. You know, it's okay if you're struggling. I'm going to say it's okay if you're struggling. It's okay because look at this beautiful list we have up here. It's okay if we're struggling, but don't be content to sit there. You will lose out. I don't say that because I know from experience. Too many times I've been there. Too many times I've been there. I remember going to, okay, I'm going back to Gospel Express tent meetings early in my years when I got born again in some of those revival times. I got born again and I knew I was born again, but I had a period in life when I struggled and I went to one of those tent meetings and halfway through I just walked out. I just went out back somewhere. I didn't want to deal with it. Why? I'm not advocating, I'm not trying to say that I want to go the Gospel Express road. Please understand me. I'm not sure where they actually ended up in life, but there was a time I followed them closer And I was blessed by them. I'll be honest with you. But I remember walking out back in the cornfield somewhere. I didn't want to deal with it. Don't live like that. Don't live like that. That is not the heart of God. And it was because there was something wrong in my heart. I don't even remember anymore. It is not the God's will that we live like that. I believe it's God's will that we enjoy Christian fellowship. We walk through those doors. We come in here. We have our hearts encouraged. Our joy is full. We can sing anointed singing. We can do all those kind of things. And we can leave full of joy, ready to face another week. That's the will of God. Maybe it sounds a little too idealistic for some of you. But you know what? That is the will of God for us, His people. And we're not going to find it. If we're comparing ourselves with a struggling brother over here, we're not going to find it. We won't find that kind of... That's what we'll have. That's what we'll have. It's the heart of God this morning that we would have joy. I'm going to read on. Five. This then is the message that we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Notice verses 6 to the end. I noticed this last evening as I look at these verses. They all start the same, maybe not quite the same. But you know, the little word if is in the rest of these verses. Note that word if in the rest of these verses. If we say... You know, this morning, it, it's good that we can say certain things. You know, we, we say this and we say that. But is that where the rubber really meets the road? You know, it's a little bit like the Amishman said. Somebody came to an Amishman and said, what, how does that question go? What does it mean to be a Christian? He said, follow me for a week, something like that. In other words, what he was saying is, if you want to determine whether I'm really a Christian, don't do it based on what I say. Do it based on what I do and make your judgment based on that is what he was really saying. If I got that one right. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we do what? We lie and we do not the truth. It's not so much we say. If we say we can come to church, we can put fake smiles on our faces and we can do all kind of things and we can say all the right things and we can walk through the doors and live a different life through the week. And we did not experience fellowship. The Bible says if we do that, we lie and we do not the truth. That's what his word is telling us here this morning. You know, sometimes I have had in the past a hard time determining between two different things. Okay? Our salvation is something that is a gift to us. We get it at conversion, right? At conversion, we accept Christ as our Savior. We turn our back on our world. We have a lot of needs in our life yet. We're still living a... we got a lot of need for sanctification, all of that. And yet this free gift can come down... When a person cries out to God for mercy and he can be saved, right? There's been times in my life where I had a hard time figuring this whole thing out. Now, how does this work? Okay, now I got saved. 
And, and, and is that going to keep me saved? Is that going to keep me? Is that going to, you know, how, how do you figure this whole thing out versus salvation is just a gift? There's nothing I can do to earn it. It's just a gift that, 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 that God gives to us. And, and we, we live in that. What does it mean to live in the reality of an ongoing salvation? You know, it's all here in this verse. Uh, where am I at? Verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light and have fellowship one with another, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Right there is our ongoing day-to-day salvation. It is walking in the light as he is in the light and having fellowship, first of all, with God and one with another. And as we walk and live in the reality of that, the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, is going to continue cleansing me from all sin. Does that give us encouragement this morning? That ought to give us encouragement. That ought to give us motivation. That it's safe for me to lay down my life on the altar of God, a living sacrifice. And whatever maze I find myself in, there is grace from God to just... Pour myself out a living sacrifice because of that ongoing work of salvation in our hearts. What a tremendous encouragement that is to me this morning. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one for another. Oh, this morning, I hope our hearts are encouraged. You know, these verses here are so beautiful and I just appreciate them so much. You know, there's... There's three more verses in this chapter yet that are just a real blessing to me. And it just reminds us who we are. And, and to me, it's just, it's all part of this fellowship experience that we're having. So beautiful and I so appreciate it. What does verse 8 say? If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and his truth is not in us. You know, that verse just has a way of jerking every one of us back into reality, doesn't it? You know, I think many times we preachers have to be very careful or we can come across with such an idealistic gospel that makes some of our youth struggle with getting a hold of it. We have to be careful. And I'd like to be real enough this morning with you all just to look at that verse. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and His truth is not in us. You know, I know what it's like to go through life, and I trust you know what it's to go through life. You know, I, I don't think these last verses here are verses that give us an excuse to tolerate sin. Not at all. It all has to do with our attitude towards sin. You know, Lord help us that not one, and that's why we can gather together tonight around the communion table and take of such a wonderful communion tonight. Or t- tonight we will with the Lord when we consider the beauty of so great a salvation and consider these list of men right here and their failures. You know, we don't have, I don't have to look back very far in my life and I see, uh-oh, oh no, oh, how can... And you know, I just have to conclude, so great a salvation. So great a salvation. And that's why I would just really like for us this morning to consider the... I agree with Lyndon Risser different times. We agree with both things, don't we? He says we need to turn our chairs towards each other. He says that from time to time. You know what? I agree. That is fellowship. We need to turn our chairs towards each other. We need to have that kind of heartfelt brotherhood encouragement to each other. 
And as that takes place, we can't go very far down the road, I trust, to be high-minded that I've attained it. I am walking in the light. I've got this thing figured out. I, I, I just follow my life as I follow Christ. Now, Paul was able to say that, and I trust we can say that also. But I think it's only right as we consider this subject that we realize we need to have our head hanging pretty low sometimes. We need to look back not very far in my own life and see some of my, I'd like to call mistakes too, but let's just call it sin. And realize, no, I can't lift my head very high. But oh, the blessing that we can gather, we, we can, and then we have First John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves and make us a liar. And I just so appreciate how this passage just brings us right back and jerks us into reality of who we are. And our need, my need, for an ongoing walk with Christ in the light. And as I walk in the light and have fellowship with Him and have fellowship with my brothers and sisters, the church family right here, helping me see what I need to see, that kind of fellowship, I tell you, this morning, that is where our security lies. And that is the gift of salvation that God has for each one of us. And, you know, I must say, when I just consider that awesome reality, my heart is encouraged. That makes me value more than anything else the tremendous sacrifice that the Lord Jesus Christ wrought for my personal salvation. And just the blessing of fellowshipping with the congregation, experiencing that salvation, not just having had experienced it, but it's an ongoing experiencing that salvation together. I'm guessing this morning we could go out in our evangelical culture that we live in and even in our Anabaptist cultures and we could say to somebody you know that's professing to be a Christian, so how do you plan to get to heaven? What do most of them say? And I say it too. Well, back there in 1991, I was at this church and I gave my heart to the Lord and I trusted in Him for salvation and He paid the price for my redemption. Therefore, when I get to God... When I, when I stand before God on that judgment day, I made that choice back there. Therefore, I'm okay. It is so easy to say that. You know what? That's partial truth. That's right. I did that back there. But if we're basing our salvation, if I'm basing my salvation on what happened back there, uh, apart from this beauty of walking in the light, committing myself to Christ, and experiencing that fellowship with Him and that fellowship, in there the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. You know, I'll draw it to a close. Uh, the day is going to come when we all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and give an answer for what we've done in life. That is a reality that will one day happen. I do have this verse right down. Just in closing, I'm going to uh, turn to it in Hebrews. You can turn there. This is going to be the last verses I think I'm going to look at. Just in closing, Verses I thought about last night as I was considering this whole subject, uh, chapter 10, and I'm going to begin at verse 23 to 25. Let us hold fast our profession of faith without wavering. This is my heart's desire for us this morning, me included. Let's hold fast that profession of faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Let us consider one another and provoke one another to love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhort one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, I began this morning with the verse talking about how it is how it is unwise to compare ourselves among ourselves. And I believe that scripture means everything it says there. I really believe that. 
But I also believe in the reality and the beauty of this scripture right here, and that is considering one another and provoking one another to love and good works. And I'd like to just give all of us encouragement this morning, me included, the youth included, and all of us together. Allow a sold-out kingdom Christian that has yielded his life a living sacrifice, and he is trusting in that salvation, and he's got his sights and his goals set on the kingdom of God. Allow that brother and that sister to be the one that is helping you along life's journey and the one that you're having that kind of knit fellowship with. You know, this morning it's my desire as a church family that, and I'm not, I didn't, I didn't share a message with you because I feel like we're just losing our kingdom vision. No, I don't share it that way. But I do share it because I know we all live in the flesh. We all live in the flesh, me included, and how easy it is to just accept a mediocre Christian life when we go down that road of comparing and we can get our eyes and our sights off of where it ought to be. Let's, uh, let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love to me. Father, I thank you for so great a salvation. Lord, I thank you that you have purchased our eternal redemption, that if we today make that choice, yield our lives to Christ, accept that salvation, and then walk in the light as you're in the light. That the blood of Jesus Christ will continue to cleanse us from sin. And I thank you this morning, Lord, that it is safe for us to just yield our lives to you, a living sacrifice, and just experience the joy and the reality of so great a salvation that you have for your people. And I just pray this morning that all of us together could have our hearts encouraged. Father, you know this morning about the maze that some of the church family here may find themselves in. I don't know the realities of what we're all dealing with, but I just pray this morning that our hearts could be encouraged as we leave this place to live a life devoted and sold out for the kingdom of God. Father, I pray that you would bless this fellowship, bless each one here. We look to you in Jesus' name.